Welcome to SaltCast. My name is Bob Turner, and I serve as the director of the Sunset Academy of Leadership Training, or SALT. And today we have with us Carrie Williams. Carrie serves, uh, well, really, you have several hats that you wear, not only working with local ministry, about to begin a new work in Tupelo, Mississippi. Uh, by the time this is aired, you'll probably already be in Mississippi, but uh, also working with the graduate program here at Sunset. So welcome. Thank you. Tell us uh, a little bit about your background, your ministry work uh, from coming to Sunset to working with some of the various congregations. And I'd like also for you to share, maybe plug some things that you're doing with Lake Tahoe, the family encampment there. Okay. Well, I grew up a preacher's son. My dad was converted when he attended a gospel meeting at 17 years old. And he was so on fire about the restoration plea and about the, the truth that was being taught. He was so encouraged by that. He was so uplifted and excited about it that the local preacher asked him if he would go fill in and speak at a congregation three weeks later. And from that day till this day, 50-something years later, he's been a preacher ever since. And so I grew up in a preacher's house, and I always was felt blessed because my daddy, like all of us, was not a perfect man, but he was a sincere man. And he was the same man on Sunday that he was every day when he came home. Yes. And so I wanted to follow in his footsteps. I wanted to follow and be like my hero. So I got out of high school and I went to college for a couple of years. That second year, I met my wife at Columbia Christian College in Portland, Oregon. And I shared with her my vision of wanting to be a preacher. And we had a whirlwind romance. And about four months later, we're married. And then we packed up and headed off to Sunset School of Preaching in Lubbock, Texas. We were 20 years old. I graduated at 22, and I've been preaching ever since, since 1994. So how many years would that be now? Well, a bunch. <laughs> and that math, preacher's math is not our best suit. We'll so. say 26 and let it go. <laughs> we'll, we'll let 26 plus. How's yeah. that? We'll do that. Well, so I've been preaching ever since and preached pretty much all around different regions of this country. Preached in Idaho and Texas, Alabama, Arkansas, Michigan, and now Mississippi. And have had a great ministry. All those places served with, I believe, the finest people in all the world. I was also given some opportunities along the way. I was asked as a very young man to preach a keynote lesson by Paul Methvin, the director of the Tahoe, and before that, the Yosemite family encampment for 50-plus years. And he asked me as a young man to do a keynote, and he asked me back, and he asked me back. And so I was kind of the young guy on the program for a long time. And then he... um, when it came time, he was getting older and he needed to look for someone to take over his life's legacy. We'd built a relationship. He'd served as a mentor to me. And we started that passing the torch process about mm-hmm. seven, eight years ago. And for the last two years, I've directed that program. We have about 1,500 or so people who come the last week in July. And we meet under a big top tent, have 20 plus speakers come in. And we just, it's a mountaintop experience. Great time of faith. I know. I sure enjoyed it. It's a good, it's a good time. And then a few years ago, uh, my alma mater sunset came to me and they needed someone to take over the graduate school program. And because of my connection with sunset and my educational background, they felt I'd be a good choice. And I agreed to do that on the condition that they would allow me to remake the program into what I really think the church needs, which is the ability to train ministers in the practical aspects of ministry, how to actually 
be successful, not just to know the Bible, but how to know people and how to minister and how to actually deal with conflict in churches and to just really learn to show love and compassion and and just the ins and outs and even the ugly parts, which are a reality of church politics and some of those dynamics. So we've had some success in that. Our program has grown and hopefully we're training men who are more fully equipped to handle every aspect of ministry, not just the word of God, but also to to deal with people and to love people and and to, dare we use the word shepherd people. Sure. I want to build on that for just a moment because I know you've worked under several different elderships and working with congregations as a minister in that role. Explain maybe some of the differences that you are aware of that growing up in a home uh, with your dad being a preacher and the, the leadership in the church at that time, and then going through a school here at Sunset and then going into a position to where you're under a number of different elders from different congregations. Do you, or maybe what do you see as being some of the major differences in the way that things have been handled in the past as leadership or uh, just the differences that exist between leadership and earlier on and, and the way it is now in the 21st century? Well, I, it's hard for me to speak to it when I was a young, really young man because of the fact that my dad was a preacher and I just kind of knew what he did. You know, I, I, I didn't really witness interactions behind closed doors and elders meetings and things of that nature. But as far as from my perspective of the 26 plus years of preaching and the, I think I've served with about 50 plus elders. We counted them up one time, Lenore and I, and by and large, they have been some of the finest men that you would ever find. However, their leaders are people and they can always be improved. And what I've seen through the years is that it seems more and more as we become more secularized in the church and as the church kind of unfortunately seems to be modeling itself more and more like our culture rather than to be an anti-culture or a a counter-culture, it seems that we lead in ways that mirror the world around us Mm -hmm. more and more all the time. And and I particularly think it's a problem in the United States and my, I love foreign mission work, but my passion's always been the United States. And in the United States, I, I think that we, we frame a lot of what we think about the church based upon our identity as Americans and as people who have lived all of our lives in a Western culture. You know, Western culture developed from the Greeks originally and then through European development and evolution to what we have today. And we still follow a lot of that individualism. And the Greeks kind of started that with the idea of virtue and ethics and that we need to be people who are always striving to be the best us we can be, which is a good principle. But this idea of rights and individualism and and that developed into republic and democracy and all of that works very well in a secular framework. But in the church, sometimes it's very, very problematic with what we see as the model of the church, the kingdom. I mean, it's a kingdom. It's not a democracy. It's not a republic. And it has one king. And Jesus' will is absolutely sovereign. And he has entrusted leaders for the sole purpose of not, not producing what they want, but for administering what he desires. And so I think that really, especially today, 
causes a real rub when it comes to how we lead, but how we think we should lead based upon our identity and our culture. So I know you're working on your PhD, uh-huh. working on your dissertation, completing that. And I know that that's connected to, because of our conversations before, uh, about the history of Churches of Christ. And in your research in regards to that, have you found things that would speak to maybe um, the evolution of exactly what you're talking about as far as the, the Western influence and the influence that's had on leadership from the church's early beginnings to where it is now? Well, I would say in the early days of the Restoration Movement, the early, early 1800s with Alexander Campbell, Barton Stone, and all of their protégés, we, we see a leadership that is a more assertive style of leadership than we have now. I mean, if you go back and read the things they wrote, they wrote from authority. Um, leaders led from a position of authority, and that was accepted by those who would follow. It's kind of like the old adage, you know, if you got a chief, you got to have some Indians, <laughs> so to speak. And, Leader follower. <laughs> and when you read Alexander Campbell, there was no question who was the chief, you know, and, yeah. and Barton Stone, there was no question. And, and so these fellas, they, people looked to them and they, they wanted to listen and follow that leadership rather than, now, there would be those who'd question if they felt they were wrong. So it's not about having a, you know, robot mentality where you're just what you're programmed to do, you do. But there was a a reverence for those who who were leaders. And we don't mean reverence, of course, like we would have reverence for the Lord. We mean a a respect. And so they would speak with authority and people would receive that and, and accept that authority. I, you don't see that as much in the church today. It's, and, and, and I think part of the problem isn't so much those who are being led, but sometimes leaders, I think, are afraid to recognize I'm the leader. And in, in the scriptures, the image we see used over and over and over is shepherd and sheep, shepherd and sheep, shepherd and sheep. And we talk about that you know, kind of in generalities, but we don't get real specific as to what that would actually look like. You know, uh, sheep need to be led or they walk off cliffs. Sheep need to be led or they walk in amongst wolves. I mean, the Lord chose sheep as an image and, and it's not overly complimentary in that sense. I mean, they're sweet animals, but they're, they gotta have leadership. And then shepherds, Shepherds love those sheep. They, as it's been said, they smell like sheep. They care about those sheep. But when they start making their decisions based upon what the sheep want or what the sheep, if they pull, pull mm. the sheep, yeah. you know, well, what are, 82% of the sheep think we need to do this. I just don't see how that fits in that biblical image, in that biblical right. framework. The shepherd is not about himself. He's about the sheep, but he realizes they're sheep. Yes. And he, and so it was more that way in the past. Today, you know, we've all got our rights and we've all got our opinions and we've all got our, our, you know, and I need to be listened to. My voice needs to be listened to. And I think leaders should listen, but I don't know that leaders should poll and and in fact, I, I wish politicians didn't even do that. I wish they did what they felt was right yeah. rather than what the majority of people want. And I've wondered for some time, has our culture and our democratic society 
and this ability to vote and to have rights, the nature and maybe the the long-term impact that has had, not just on the leadership, but just on the church in general, and the accessibility of, of five, 10, or more congregations, depending on the size of a community. And if I don't like what's going on here, I'll just go to another one. And, and it makes it difficult for uh, leaders, uh, shepherds to say, okay, well, we need to find out. And in some situations, they want to get 100% unanimous support before they'll make a decision to say, yes, we're going to move in this direction. And I don't know, do you do you feel like politics has had that kind of impact in the culture that we live in and the democracy that exists that's impacted the church in that way? I do, and I think the other problem is is that we live in a customer-based capitalistic society. Yes. And I think sometimes leaders see members of the church as customers. And it's interesting because a diff- we have a different dynamic in this culture too, which is an employee-employer relationship. Mm-hmm. And in employee-employer relationships, an employer listens to his employees, but they don't vote on, he still makes the decision. But yet we see church, not that it is, not that members of the church are employees, but it's a different dynamic. Yeah. And when you have, but the, we see this, the customer's always right. And so when shepherds, when leaders, preachers, elders, whatever it may be, when they look at the members as our customers and we got to please our customers or they're, you know, they, they'll go somewhere else to be able to, we've gotten the, we've gotten the whole concept wrong because we have one customer in the church. If you want to use that terminology, well, we have a master mm-hmm. and it's his will. And that's the only will that really should matter. And, but yet this, you understand what I mean by this, this customer, yeah. the customer's always right. And, and it, I just have seen it. And I've been in a congregation where the elders didn't have that mindset and they loved the church. They made strong decisions, but it wasn't based upon you know, popular opinion. And that church people would think that folks would leave. But no, no, that congregation grew because those same elders were so authentic. When they'd get up and somebody would respond, every one of them, they would weep almost every week. Mm-hmm. They would show authenticity. And, and everybody knew our shepherds, they're strong. But our shepherds, every decision they make is for us. Because sometimes we don't know what's best for ourselves. I mean, I see the shepherding role in Scripture kind of like a parenting role. I mean, I want everything for my kids. You did too. Sure. But I didn't always tell them yes, because at the end of the day, I knew what was best for them. And they didn't always know. Yeah. And we need shepherds like that. Well, I had hate to cut this off, but I I think we need to kind of give it a break right here. But I look forward to visiting again in our next podcast and we'll pick up where we left off and uh, continuing to discuss some areas I think are vital uh, when it comes to uh, our shepherds and leading within the church and the role of the preacher within that. Uh, So we'll talk more next time as we get through that. But thank you for taking the time to visit with us today and want to thank everyone who tuned in uh, for this particular SALTcast and Hope that you'll continue to join us Uh, again. My name is Bob Turner with the SALT program, Sunset Academy of Leadership Training. And I encourage you to go to our website and you can look at both the SALT cast and SALT talks there. That is at the salt.sunset.bible website and uh, encourage you to go there. And again, thank you for taking time to be with us today.